Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, June 23rd episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can follow us on our new website at poetsandmuses.com or on SoundCloud, Instagram, or Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at the bottom of our new website or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Nicole Nicholson, with whom I will be discussing her poem, The Gift of the Magi, and my poem, A New Lease. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of June 24th. On Tuesday, June 25th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 6.30 to 9.30, Nocturnal, the Poet, and the Poor People's Campaign will be hosting its monthly The Art of Justice Open Mic and Art Show at First Church, which is at 1407 North 2nd Street in Phoenix, the entrance is at the parking lot in the back of the church. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 6 p.m. From 8 to 11 p.m., Ken Kong will be hosting his weekly The Underground Experience at 2601 on Central. The address is 2601 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30 p.m. On Wednesday, June 26th, from 7.30 to 9 p.m., Lacuna Cava Bar will be hosting its weekly open mic night on-site at 831 North 3rd Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Thursday, June 27th, from 5 p.m., the Dog Year Pages Used Books will be hosting its monthly open mic arts, letters, and cultural event at 16428 North 32nd Street, Suite 111 in Phoenix. From 7 to 9 p.m., Long Known Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at The Lost Leave, which is at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix. Make sure to get there by 6.50 to participate. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quentin Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30 p.m. On Friday, June 28th, from 6.30 to 10, Sozo Coffee Hogs will be having its open mic night at 1982 North Elma School Road in Chandler. From 8 to 10 p.m., Jules Crockle and Taran Randolph will be hosting their cultural poetry slam at Snakes and Lats Tempe, which is at 20 West 6th Street in Tempe. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Nicole Nicholson. Hi, Nicole. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. Yes. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hmm. <laughs> There's so much to tell. Let's see where we start. I'm a nurse. By day and at night, I moonlight as a poet. I've always been a poet. Mm -hmm. I just didn't realize that I was until I moved to Phoenix. 
moving to Arizona helped me to channel some of that mm-hmm. energy. Because mm-hmm. I lived in North Carolina before and moving here, that helped me to channel the creative juices. There's so many places around here that you can actually go yes. and get a lot of the arts. And so that's helped me a lot. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, there are definitely a lot of options. Yes. I feel like I should split myself just to go to all of them, but it's really been difficult. You're right. <laughs> Can you tell us how you arrived at writing poetry? So you've always been a poet. How young? I used to start out with short stories as a child. That was my escape. I loved books. And so writing helped me to escape whatever I felt was bothering me at the moment. Mm -hmm. And then as I got a little bit older, I noticed whenever there were transitions going on, I'd write poetry. And it usually was about whatever was going on internally. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I haven't always been a vocal person so mm-hmm. the written word helped me to get out whatever it was that I wanted to say right and right. so that's what helped me I think it was about 2011 was when I remembered just like really really getting immersed in writing poetry even. Oh, okay so well, I can't tell you what happened that year for me to, <laughs> that right. was significant that got okay. me to writing yes but there was definitely a transition point yes wow yes. Yeah, and imagine given your work, all that you must see yes. in your in your line of work, and especially given the fact that part of your work is that you have to be really keeping your opinions to yourself. Yeah. It's good to have this outlet. Right? Yes, yes, you're correct. As a nurse, sometimes you see things and you experience other people's traumas, and you mm-hmm. can't always give your opinion. Right. Like you mentioned earlier, so sometimes it's just knowing when to say the right things Mm -hmm. I've seen so much so some of it you hurt for them as well Mm -hmm. but you can't always transfer what you're feeling onto them so that's when I started escaping writing Mm -hmm. writing poetry that's great so you brought with you today the poem The Gift of the Magi Mm -hmm. and I was wondering if you want to read that for us yes before I start I have to give credit to O. Henry he was the one that actually wrote the story, The Gift of the Magi. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of yes. it. Yes, so I have to give credit because I can't say that was my title at mm-hmm. all. So, She chose and it became my life. Not the choice of termination, but determination. Poverty and shame be damned, but she did not stop there. My future she spared, the ultimate gift of love. She shared me with others and chose never to look back. Some days I miss her. Miss what I barely knew. I know she gave my young body nourishment, if only for antibodies. Then went ghost, became a nobody, or maybe to heal. I wonder her frame of mind. Grateful she was kind enough to be unselfish. I only hope for one wish, that she never wondered. Grateful she never wondered from her difficult decision. I got almost as much as she gave. I got to give the gift of life to my own child. She chose, and it became life, my life. Thank you. It's a really beautiful poem, and I remember when you wrote it, because yes. we were in a workshop together. Yes. And it was really touching. I forget the subject. What was the problem? It was about gift-giving. So it was oh, in okay. December. It was close to Christmas. I think they were trying to get to the theme of giving. Right. And it's not in just the gift itself, but what the gift represented was right. what the prompt was, I remember. Yes. Right. So. Yeah, and it's so fitting with the title as well. Yes. What prompt you, what made you decide to write this particular poem? I had 
for the longest time been struggling with my biological mother and her choices. Mm. And she was young when she had me, so I understand mm. that being a poor girl in Jamaica, you know, mm. choosing to have a baby because she could she could have chosen otherwise. Right. That had to be hard. I mean, this was in the seventies, and it's a really religious place as well. They oh, they believe really? so. You know, I mean, I can only imagine what shame she may have felt. Right. And so for her to choose to have me, and then later on make the choice to give me to someone else. So mm. I don't know what that's like. I know as a mother that would tear at me. Right. And so that's a gift as well that's an act of love that few people can truly understand mm. maybe her hand was forced but i i choose to believe that that's a gift of love because she could have chosen anything else right and she chose to give me to someone else who she felt could love me mm. and they did they that's did. wonderful so, yes yeah. i got a good gift <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. always nice when the gift is good yes <laughs> yes <laughs> you know? If you don't mind my asking, were you able to find her? I I was, and I asked her a couple of questions. I think she wasn't ready to receive me. Mm. And for a while, I was angry trying to understand her. And I think becoming a parent helped me to understand mm. where she may have been coming from. Right. Um, I've forgiven her, mm-hmm. even in that moment of feeling as if she just did not wish to answer the questions that I had. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to respect that, you know, she made the choice right. and things worked out great. So yeah. I can't be angry. I got something great out of it, even right. though I never got the answers I wanted. So I did get the chance to meet her. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult. I don't know how old you were and how long it took to find her. I don't know if you want to share that. So I remember seeing her when I was younger and she never really spent a lot of time. But I remember my mom encouraging her to come to see me. It's strange because through a child's eyes, I remember standing there with my mom and her saying to her, because she saw her, but I didn't realize she was my biological mother. But I remember asking her, so why haven't you come to see her? But I never really comprehended it. It was rare. I guess thinking back now, I'm remembering some of it. And I think she was just young and maybe felt some shame. And just didn't, because it was a small community. She probably didn't want anyone to know too much okay. so you know i get it now as an adult right you know, yes right but. yeah it's very complicated it is isn't it? it is especially when for so many years in your life you don't have the answers except for what you can imagine in your yes. head yes right it's very frustrating that yes. way and sometimes we write our own narratives not always correct actually right. but we write our own narratives trying to Fill in the blanks. Right, yes. right. For our own sake, basically. Yes. Yeah. We need that comfort. And it's very frustrating. And sometimes, a lot of times, even if you have the person with you, as you did, able to at some point. In your case, it was because she was unwilling. But even if somebody was willing, they don't necessarily tell you the full truth. Yes. And they don't necessarily know the full truth themselves. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, it makes it incredibly frustrating. It is. It was at the time. Now I, I do understand. Yeah, yeah. I, it definitely shows in this poem that you have come to terms with it. In fact, that the way that you see it, it is a gift. The Life is a gift. It is. And especially since she chose both not only to give you life, but also the choice that she made of giving you up also allow you to have perhaps even a better life I than did. you would have 
yes, with her. And yeah. I do believe that. I believe people get what they need. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we're in situations, we may not always see it. Mm -hmm. But I got exactly what I needed from my mom. She was a good mom. Mm -hmm. She was a good mom. She's passed now, but she, she was a good okay. mom. Yes. Do your adoptive parents have children of their own? Yeah, so the complication of that is she took me to my biological dad's immediate older sister. Oh, okay. And so it's the complicated of family, but that's my mom, right. you know, and she was married. She had children after me, but I was always considered the oldest okay. one of all of yeah. them. Yeah. And then just knowing later on that that's my aunt, but that's my mom, you know, it's complicated. But for me, whenever I refer to her or whenever I refer to my sister, they're like, I mean, those are my sisters or brothers. Right. You know, family is complicated. And sometimes yeah. people don't fully understand that, but I'm glad the culture I'm from. You know, mm -hmm. I'm from that culture of love and, mm -hmm. you know, that extended family. And it's yeah. not just family, it's mom and dad. Right. But aunts and uncles and the neighbor who watches you, that's family. Right. So, right. Yeah. so it's more of a community. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's really, it's really nice. It was interesting because... When you started talking about it, like in yes. the beginning, when I first asked you the question, you had started saying my mom and then, then went on. And then I realized as you were asking the question, when you say your mom, you meant your adoptive mom. Mm -hmm. So just by that appellation alone, I could tell how close your relationship is. Yes. Yeah. And it's really wonderful to see that. Unfortunately, these situations don't always work out, but it's really nice to see one that is working out. Yes. Very nurturing. She was. She was, yes. Yeah, wonderful. So it sounds like you weren't too far from your biological mother pretty much throughout your life. I don't know how the situation is because you did move at some point from Jamaica. Yes, so I moved from Jamaica when I was 12 to live with my biological father. So oh, that's okay. where also a bunch of complications came in. Mm. I still wanted to live with my mom, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember times my dad, when he was frustrated, because he was young himself, mm. would send me back to be with her. Right. And that was just, for me, that was always home for me, mm -hmm. you know. And she's home for right. me. Right, right. And it became really complicated because she didn't have any parental rights. Because, again, this was... 1970s in Jamaica, I mean, no one, you know, wrote a formal adoptive paper. So if a okay. parent came back, you know, when he got stable financially, it was okay, now I'm ready to be a parent. Right. And she, I remember her telling me she wasn't ready for me to go. She felt like right. I needed to grow a little bit more before I went, but he was ready. And so she also had to give that gift of, I can't be selfish. This is who I want with me, but... Others want you as well. So it was that gift that kept giving. Right. You know, I know that was hard because I remember her having that conversation with me. So, right. Yes. Well, that's really amazingly, again, supportive of her to yes. actually sit down with you and have that conversation with you and respect you enough, even given your young age, and not to just say, well, hey, go off now. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. She was crying. So I remember, I remember mm. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely grow attached to people, right? I yes. Mean, especially you coming to her as young as you did mm -hmm. and then leaving as you were experiencing puberty. Yes. That couldn't yes. have been easy. Yes, yes you're right. <laughs> it was hard for me. I'm sure as it was for her, but it was really hard for her, really hard. Because it's that trying to figure out where you fit in. Right. And then you're being placed somewhere else where... 
do I really fit in here? And right. I'm uncomfortable in my body. And, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then now I can't really talk to my dad because I don't really know him like that. So, right. you know, mom isn't there. So it was a tumultuous time for me. Yeah, it was I a can imagine. Time. Yeah. I can imagine. Just, I, I mean, I myself had a transition during when I was 12, but it was not nothing like this. We moved a long distance. Transitions are hard, yeah, though. Regardless yeah. of sometimes the circumstances, transitions are hard. Yeah, I mean, it's already is hard, right? As yes. you're experiencing puberty, you're like, what is this? <laughs> and then having some other thing on yes. top of it. Yes. Especially given what you were talking about, suddenly you are placed with this, uh, might as well be a stranger. Pretty basically. much, yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind talking about how that relationship went? I mean, you must have gone through a lot of growing pains with that. I did, because even in his view of wanting to be a parent, he also wanted to have a partner as well. And mm-hmm. so how do you how do you deal with that and a teenage child that you know a little bit about from seeing her during holidays, right, you know, visits right. to Jamaica, but not knowing me. Right. And so, you know, there was that conflict because I'm trying to fit in. I came from where I had siblings to now I'm an only child. Right. I came from having a community to now he has to work and mm-hmm. I have no one there with me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then I'm stuck in my head. What else do you do? Right. And then, you know, I came from a mom and dad. There was always dinner ready. There was, And then it's they were already established as a family. Right. And him and me trying to date and have a life outside. I don't know how I survived. Because <laughs> I, <just remember, laughs> I just remember going through episodes of depression. Mm, because, yeah. again, as a teenager, we need to feel that sense of belonging and just not feeling yeah. like, yeah, I belong. Yeah. Or not understanding everything and not having anyone to really... Because he didn't know how to answer some of the questions as well. No, mm. no. It's hard enough to just have a child from the beginning. Yes, now <laughs> yeah. you have a teenager, right? Yeah, <laughs> to get some of the worst years, basically. <laughs> You're right. What You're is right. going on? What, You're right. You know, bravo for him to want to take part in it, but... <laughs> that wasn't the time. I think yeah. my mom was onto something. <laughs> <laughs> It is her brother she, she yes, knew. Yes. She was onto something, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And you basically became a latchkey yes. kid, right? Yes. Jeez. Yes. Oh. And negotiating a new culture and everything. You're right. I didn't even think of that, the negotiation of the yeah. culture. So, yeah. yeah. You're right. And were you able to, I mean, are you one of those people who are able to make friends with No. No, I've always been a loner, even with my siblings, mm. but at least the knowledge that they were there, you right. know, that helps. Right. You know, if there was anything that I, any conflict that I had, I could mm-hmm. always say, okay, well, what do you think? Right. And then to go to, and I don't make friends easily at all, so mm. yeah, I don't, have, I don't have that personality. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so. sorry. <laughs> do you mind sharing with us what was it like to get into a new school system, totally new culture? With- Moving from Jamaica, we're the majority of the population looks like me to mm-hmm. go to a school where yes there were other minorities mm-hmm. from different countries and so mm-hmm. that was great yeah but then I realized I was the minority so when you come right. from being the majority and now you're the minority and it's like how do you fit in mm-hmm. and then because I spoke differently mm-hmm. you know with an accent right. then it was I was different mm-hmm. and then I had labels because I remember my dad coming to school mm-hmm. one day to make sure that they didn't put me in an ESL class, English as a second oh, language God. class. Yeah. And he was telling them, 
but because I was quiet and sometimes they'd ask questions, you mm-hmm. know, and some of it I just didn't know. Right. I wasn't a part of the system from the beginning, so right. some of the answers I did not have. Right. And so I remember my father advocating for me because oh, they wanted good. to put me into yeah. in an ESL class and he was like, Well, she speaks English quite well actually. So yeah. it, King's English is yeah. <laughs> So it really became frustrating trying to figure out who I was. Mm-hmm. So I felt lost in that mm-hmm. culture. Right. I felt lost in that culture. But thankfully, we had family in Canada, but they were still strangers to me. Mm-hmm. So it was like I just felt like a stranger in a strange land. Right. You know, I it just felt like a stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah because it doesn't matter that you're related by blood. If yes. you never met them before, yes. if you never really had intimate in- interactions with them before, you're still like... Who are, are you, you people, <laughs> right? And also, again, another culture. Yes. As immigrants, we understand no matter how short a time they live in another culture, it's still different. You've got it. Yeah. You've got it. Yeah, it's it's just not the same. And there's a disconnect. As soon as people leave, there's a disconnect. That is true. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I tell people immigrants are like time capsules of the period that they left. They I basically it like that. Yeah. Wow, okay. Because this is the culture that we know as we left, and because all the backlash, especially if you become a minority, right? Yes. Then all this backlash makes you hold on to it. Yes. And so you become like the guard of this particular culture that's captured at this moment, Mm -hmm. even though the rest of the culture in mother country, father country has already gone light years away. (laughs) You're still like, no, this is what being Jamaican, you know, you're right. You're right. I never thought of it like that. Wow. I like the way you describe it because that is so true. (laughs) Now you're giving me food for thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why we have these conversations, (laughs) right? Because I've had similar experiences with you. I don't think I had as many layers of challenges as you had to face (laughs) in the situation. I I can understand some of it and being made fun of for the accent. I can understand those as well because I my mother tongue spoke a different dialect than some people I encountered in ESL. I was in ESL. Uh And and they were making fun of me for my regional accent. Oh, wow. I kind of shrugged it off, but mm-hmm. I still remember it. Because, of course. Because, again, when you go from a more homogenous society yes. to one where there's so many differences, suddenly you realize, oh, yeah, what I experience is only my corner of the world. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> it's really good that he could come to your he aid. Did. So you know, at least from that, if there was testing stage so far you know he passed the first yes. test at least one of the tests <laughs> yes you know? yes that is true yeah. that's the thing that I can say is he's an educator and so he did mm-hmm. advocate for me when oh, he could good. when he could yes yeah that's wonderful yeah because it's not always easy especially no. now that we can look back on it we can kind of distance ourselves from the teenagers we were all the angst and we can sort of see like his perspective yes both the wanting to have you in his life wanting to do the right thing and also being probably completely unprepared no matter how much he probably (laughs) read up on it right you got it (laughs) nobody can be prepared for a teenager i don't think (laughs) (laughs) not a teenage girl i should say because i think 
to with the changes that we have sometimes mm. with our bodies, that's tough for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, teenage boys as well, right? They also go through these changes, but we as women, our genitals are inside. They're mostly hidden. So it's True. even harder to know what's going on. Um, yes. Like, we don't even get to see it. We look down, we see nothing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least men, they're like, oh, this thing, this it's, thing, I can yes, see it. If yes. I do things to it, I can see it. You know, yes. it's not just like, I don't know what the heck is going <laughs> on, you know? <laughs> I think when I was thinking of girls, I remember even my my breasts budding and just feeling ashamed, you know, mm, just like yeah. not wanting to, and now seeing this, the culture that we live in, everybody wants to see breasts, you know, but right. for me as a teenager, it's like, oh no, what's going on? Not, right, right, and right. then having a, a father and not really knowing how to say to him, something is going on, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. I don't fully understand it. And my mom wasn't there. So who was I supposed to say all of that to? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. funny you said that because I did approach my dad because my relationship with my dad was closer despite wow. the fact that he wasn't there as much. Yes. Um, just because on surface we got along much better. I did approach my dad and I have what's called dense tissue breasts. Mm-hmm. And so they come in just lumpy and suddenly my chest was all lumpy and I was like, what, what? is this? <laughs> what's going on? It was just weird. They hurt and yes. all that. Yes. I was just like, what's going on? And I had a Nice memory of that. Do you feel he answered it appropriately for you to feel okay? Because sometimes for men that can be an uncomfortable subject as well. And I don't understand the cultural differences per se. Because I know my culture, that would have been an uncomfortable. um, I can imagine it must have been uncomfortable for him. But I didn't feel his discomfort. Could have been good. Maybe it was just because I was really self-involved. I was like, oh my God, these lumps on my chest. What the heck? You know, why are they sore? And he's not like a scientist or anything. So he just said, oh, you're... I don't remember what he said, but it was very simple. I think it was just like your breasts are coming in, basically. And that's all you probably needed. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so... Because I think most of what I was worried about was like, am I dying? (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Yes, as a teenager, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh and getting my period for the first time, my mom was the one who told me, oh, you're just getting your period. I don't know if they ever, neither of them ever went into what the underlying meaning of breasts or periods, because yes. they're actually, they're just two words that have no meaning, really, until you <laughs> experience it, until you live it, until you get explained about them. Yeah, I don't think... Either of them explain what those things actually are. Understood. Yeah, but still, I'm just like, okay, I'm not dying, I'm happy. Because, you know, you, you, when you go That's from the, the high bar of, or the low, I don't know which one, high or low, of thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die, to, oh, okay, I'm not dying. It's just some okay. mystery growth. I don't, I'm coming. Up, I don't know what it is, but still, I'm not dying. I'm not dying. Yes. <laughs> low bar. Low bar. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> he must encounter both your breasts coming in as well as your period. Well, with my period, I remember I had an aunt. I was visiting her. Okay. And I remember feeling too embarrassed to tell her. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, my mom gave us a book. All of us, mm-hmm. everything a teenage girl should know. So me yeah. and my sister got to read that. Oh, that's and good. I love to read. But it never prepares you for what is. Because when my period came, I didn't know what was going on. I felt mm-hmm. like, 
oh, I'm bleeding and there's something wrong there, mm-hmm. not realizing that it was my cycle starting. Right. And so I remember my cousin says, you have blood everywhere. And now I'm freaking out like, okay, am I bleeding to death? Kind of, kind of like you're yes. thinking, you know, I'm like, bleeding to death? And she's like, no. And so she called her mom, who's now deceased, and she's, she was just like, yeah, she started her period. I was like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> so I mean, the way she was screaming, I thought I was going to, I was dying, you know, like, yeah, yeah. just blood everywhere. And I was like, okay, okay, you know. <laughs> well, teenage yes. angst squared. Basically. Yes. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My, my ex explained. Yeah. Like, mine didn't come in as bleeding. It was just dry blood. Hmm. It was just, like, a lot of dry blood. I was like... Oh, what I didn't yeah. even know. I thought maybe I just like had an accident of some sort, uh. you know? and like, uh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, truly the weirdest experience. And given I don't know what it was like in Jamaica or you know what I don't even know what my home countries, um, how taboo it is to talk about it. But certainly here, you just like. It's you know, oh yeah, we we love your nether regions as long as you're not bleeding, <laughs> and only for our use. Yes. You know, don't talk to us about any Anything of the logistics of it. <laughs> don't you're talk right. to us about anything that actually biologically experiences yes. every yes. month. <laughs> In my culture, I remember them speaking about it, but not as openly as they do here. Mm. You know, it's just something like teenage girls will probably whisper. Because I remember when I went back home and just talking to my sister. Like, do you have any, you know, sanitary napkin? She's right. like, okay, but nothing, you know, here people are like, you got any pants? Talk oh, out loud. Okay. And there it was kind of like that hush hush, but we could still speak with each other about it. So, right, yeah. Right. Wow, that's a different experience as well. Because I remember recently I saw a comedian who was joking about periods specifically. She was like, you know how, like, we're trained to be embarrassed about it, and we go to the bathroom, and we're among women, we're still hushing about, do you have sanitary pants or something like that, you know? Even though we all know no, what we're yeah. going through. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I still do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's so ingrained, this yes. society beating us into thinking that this is something we should be ashamed about. Whereas, That's paternalism at its best, don't you think? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like, no, no, no. This happens in half of the world. Yes. Well, at some point, one point or another, you know. Yes. And it should be something that, you know, especially any heterosexual male should know about because... Mm-hmm. It's helpful. It's helpful. Yes, in, it is. And what you want to get from us. It's helpful in that <laughs> regard as well. Believe me. The more you know. Yeah, the more yeah. You, know. you yeah. know, it's like, help me help you. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's thinking that they need help. Some of them, I don't know. <laughs> Some of them are beyond. Help. Yes. But yes. I like to put my baseline where... Yes, you just need some help or, you know, if you're curious. This is one of the things I want to, it's for my sake as well, because I don't want to look at the world in such a jaded way and just say, you know, (laughs) rather than like, okay, let me experience you as an individual and then I'll make a choice from there. It's funny that you say that because as I was driving down, I remember just thinking, you know, being open to the universe and I 
I think a lot of times we don't realize that a lot of things it's about energy. The energy mm-hmm. you put out is what you get back. Yeah. And so even with our relationships with others, whether it's with men or women, if we're not open, mm-hmm. you're going to get that kind of energy. It's mm-hmm. the energy of being closed. So yeah. I hear you when you say, you know, just take them as a blank slate then in a, in a sense. That's not what you said. But just take them as they come and then mm-hmm. you can move on yeah. from there. But I remember the days when I used to, oh, all of them are like this. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. No, you know, you can't put everyone yeah. In the same box. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's in a sense easier for us. It's time saving, certainly. Yes. But at the same time, we lose so many possibilities. Yes. Yes. It's hard, though, because you net more unsavory characters than you do good characters. But still, you have to be open in order to be able to have enough samples to sort out. Yes. We're getting really into yes. scientific speak here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, since you mentioned scientific, I always believe, too, like the universe will give you exactly what you need Mm -hmm. and so if what you started out with was love or a loving action to begin with Mm -hmm. then the hurt doesn't hurt as much Mm -hmm. so even meeting those unsafer characters the universe is teaching you something it's what you know you don't want or what you know you're not willing to tolerate right and i think sometimes when we when we get those lessons it's like oh what what's going on you know but sometimes it's being open enough to say hmm why am i attracting this what is it that i need to learn why i'm attracting this yeah. You know, and yeah. then move on from there. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you got to meet some of that too to realize, nah, that's not it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. I do agree that basically any experience you have, whether negative or positive, you can take something positive yes. from it. Yes. Like personal growth from it. At yes. the same time, I feel like certain experiences is better left. I'd rather read it, I'd rather watch it on, <laughs> on, on TV or in the cinema rather than living it because it's so traumatizing that sometimes that is true it really it shuts you down i i, I that know that's true you are correct yeah you are thank correct. you and i know people who have they were fly mm-hmm. and they decided to just forego one gender because of mm-hmm. the experience they had mm-hmm. i felt like it's not fair to either gender that yes. they end up choosing because yes. then there's that expectation one negative on one side, very positive, maybe unreasonably positive, whereas it's more about personality, right? That is true. Yeah. That is true. Or, you know, something that came to mind as you're mentioning that when people make a choice like that, because I had a friend I was speaking with and she was telling me that, you know, so she's always dated black men and she's an African-American woman herself. Mm-hmm. She goes, no, I'm choosing a white man now because black men have always treated me this way. And I said, you know, to me, that's distraction because men are men. Right. Because do you not think that white women are dealing with the same things, men who use them or treat them a certain way? Right. So I said, you know, at some stage you have to deal with you. Yeah. You know, if what are you, why are you attracting all these men, whether black, these types of men, mm-hmm. black, because you're going to attract the same thing in a white man as well. I mean, right. you know, you have to deal with you first and right. then, you know, you'll get what you need. She's like, no, no, no. And I was like, no, think about it. You know, white women are dealing with the same things. Right. You know, right. Asian women, we're all dealing with right. men who, they're hurt as well, and so they're dealing with... So same thing with women who they're choosing. That was by and now I'm choosing a woman. Women have their own hurts as well. Oh, that yeah. They'll we have our own yeah, so, you know, and mm-hmm. hormones. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Sure, there is some consistency in how society raised women differing yes. from men. Yes. But outside of that, there's still that personal individuality. And, you know, there's a question that has the answer baked into the question, which yes. is... What is the common denominator in all your relationships? Amen. So <laughs> I think right and ding, 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 yeah. so we have yeah. to we do have to think about 
there, there's also that saying, we may not be able to control who come into our life, but we can control who stays. So there is that choice. At the same time, it's not always an obvious choice. That's true. And certainly is not always an easy choice. That's true. So sometimes we're also not in the mindset to say, oh, we got to look at ourselves, mm-hmm. or especially when we're saying it to somebody else and when they're in the, in the midst of hurting. It's very mm-hmm. painful. And thinking about sexual assault victims, especially mm-hmm. the more heinous ones, especially. Yes. If we say that to them, it just we're just going to come off as assholes, basically. True. But, you know, that's where, too, we also have to know our audiences. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, I hear Definitely. you. You're right. Definitely. You're right. There is, as you said, still the, ultimately, we have to look back and we have to say, uh, okay, this person, this sort of unsavory character is coming into our lives. What can we do to put up a shield, selective shield, you mm-hmm. know, one that, that's very sensitive, that can go up and down as yes. we, like a window, it's an automatic car window, yes. that we can train ourselves to be able to block out as much as possible, but also... Ultimately, each individual, each pairing, each interaction is also different. Whether or not you believe in energy pull, astrology, or the harder sciences Mm -hmm. and how hormones and chemistry work. So those are all things that that we don't necessarily think about on a day-to-day. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Man, we went... Uh, oh, over the place. That I know. Be, this, is, this is basically the podcast because we always go over the place. And it's fun to just kind of meander, light our minds, go. And just pulling it back a little bit, back to the poems. So I also chose a poem, but I obviously did not arrive at the happy juncture that you have. So, um, And I wrote this actually very recently. Okay. And it's called um, A New Lease. He left me his name and bad habits she'd accuse me of when there was no one around to blame, a load to carry on a rather tiny frame. So the fractures hairlined as I inch along all the same. What am I to do with a spirit so untamed, refusing discipline especially to pay the price of fame? But gravity is treacherous as age guys to take his aim, and cracks branch out as trenches hairlines became. Forced to build scaffolds, my life will not end in shame. Years of burden unloaded, the pain at last overcame. Healing will now commence, launching this life's new campaign. I hear you say you didn't feel that it had a happy ending, but I feel you're starting to heal that's the beginning of a happy yeah some people never do some people never get to that stage yeah it's true i don't know how you know you you've been through it it's not like stairs right it's Mm -hmm. not like we just take a step up and that's it we arrive at a new level it's more like we're on a moving seesaw Mm -hmm. right so there are good days and there are bad days and I wrote this, obviously, even within the writing process, yeah. I changed my stance quite a bit. I was saying also that I didn't arrive at your point of seeing their side of it. You know, Understood. you saw it much Understood. more. You know, you are much more understanding. I'm still just like, oh my God, just let me heal. Let me heal. I'm mm-hmm. in the healing process. 
at this moment. I'm starting to understand some, but also I don't have as much information, kind of similar to your situation, partly because I need to shield myself Mm -hmm. so that I can't have the interaction that I want to have, and partly because there is information that's unavailable. Tell me then how you're going to get to the stage where you make your peace with that, because that has to be a really hard place to be. You know, we all want to put the pieces of that puzzle together and, and understand fully, and then you can't really have that. So you can stay healthy. You right. also have to keep your distance. Is the, those are the words I'm choosing to use. Yeah, yeah, so, no, definitely keep one's distance because it's especially difficult when your primary relationships is the one that served as the model to hurt you. And yes. so yes. you just repeat that until you realize, oh, I'm repeating something. Yes. And where can I fix it? I'm not too sure where can I fix it. And the cycle keeps going as you're trying to figure it out. So you're basically juggling or juggling, juggling, juggling. I'm not a good juggler. So So at this point in my mind, at least I understand logically that there are only certain things I can do. Mm -hmm. And I am responsible to do what I can do to Mm -hmm. the best of my abilities. The rest is sort of just like, there's no point in trying to control the rest. There's just so much out there that's uncontrollable just because you're dealing with so many people's egos, right? Everybody has an ego. Yes. So I try to do the best I can, but, you know, I'm on the moving seesaw, so it's not always possible. And, you know, sometimes I would just do stupid things. I mean, I, I ended up yelling at somebody who was not as sensitive to a situation that very painful situation I was trying to relay. I ended up yelling at him. On the one hand, I'm not proud of that. At the same time, I'm also very aware of the fact that how society really doesn't allow women to be angry. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, I have the right to be angry. Mm -hmm. I know the way that I handled it wasn't the best. Those things I do recognize. Getting to that point, Mm -hmm. as you know, it's going to take some time. Yeah. You mentioned something and it, it triggered a question. Sure. Do you feel like as a child you got the chance to express your anger? No, I did express them. I feel like I've been able to express them, but I don't think they were ever absorbed. Mm, It was always like, and it was very similar to this experience I just talked about. Mm -hmm. To my primary relationship example, it's somebody who basically said, no, no, it's not my problem, it's your problem. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm specifically reacting to the other person's prodding or their insensitivity or whatever it is. So I'm like, okay, I recognize this relationship. I'm going to back away now because this is not what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put any more energy into this. Goodbye. Yes. And that's a lot of the time what you have to do. And sometimes it's really painful because you're thinking, is this the only kind of relationship I get in my life? Because you get so much of the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're like... Whoa, whoa, some variety, you know? But at least you're aware. Yeah. And that's a good place to be. Yeah. And my encouragement for you is to be kind to yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Because if what you got as a child, we're products of our childhood. And Mm -hmm. so there's only so much you can do as an adult that doesn't go back to part of your childhood. At least you're aware to know this is not healthy and this is not where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to protect yourself. Yeah. And it's okay, like you said earlier, I think society, you know, when we speak up or when we're 
angry or when we have emotions, it's we're being a female. You're just being an angry woman. or But it's okay to feel that. Exactly. It's okay to feel that. Way. Yeah. And it's okay for you to expect the other person to understand you as well. Yeah, I think it's very reasonable. You deserve that. Yeah, we all deserve understanding or at least yes. the attempt at yes. understanding. And when somebody is saying, no, no, it's not my fault. You're just angry because you're angry, not because you're angry in reaction to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Then you have to think about that. That is a decision point where you say, do you want to invest any more of your time into this relationship? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather use that time maybe with another relationship with someone who actually does say, oh, you're angry. Let me see how we can solve this problem. Or maybe, oh, I'm, I'm angry too. You know what? Let's just separate for a while and come back when we're both calm. But something came to me as you're saying that. Do you think maybe you wanted this person to take on the role that your parent? I'm not saying to be insensitive. Mm -hmm. Just I started thinking, you know, sometimes we do put people in that role without realizing that we do. So maybe you're looking for the reaction from that person that you expected from your parent as well that you never got. Well, I don't know that person very well. Okay. So I so was then, very surprised this was the first really in-depth interaction ouch. I had with them, and yes. this was it. And that was when I was like, okay, this is not the relationship yes. I want. I'm not investing in okay. any more time into that. I made a, a, an assumption then mm -hmm. that it was a longer Right, term. no, okay. no, it's okay. not a longer term relationship. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, because of some trauma that I went through just a couple of years ago, my threshold is very low. I'm like, okay, no. Goodbye. Go away. You know, because there are 9 billion people in the world, for God's sakes. Yes. You know, we don't need to stick around for people who are so insensitive mm -hmm. that they're going to say, you're angry because of you because you are angry or mm -hmm. you're angry at somebody else and refusing to see what they're doing mm -hmm. and refusing even to acknowledge your, your anger either. Because that to me, that's dismissive. Oh, you're just angry because you're angry. Right. Well, and also refusing to even, because he had asked me for space, and I had left the face-to-face -face conversation, and he kept texting me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you want that space, but you don't really what? give me respect for my space. Yes. Because I yes. did agree to that space by giving you that space by leaving. Yes. Right? So why are you still coming after me? So, or boundaries on his part. Yeah, 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 exactly. So when I saw that, I was like, I recognize this. I don't mm -hmm. want it. This is something that I've cut out, so I don't need to like let any more of that in. Yes. So that's very it's training, as you said. It's sort of like experiencing that, recognizing mm -hmm. that. But it's painful nonetheless, right? Because, yeah, there are always these dynamics at play. Yes. And people are always telling you by their actions what they are in life. But sometimes... We're also trained, well, both as women and men, but I think more so as women, to mm -hmm. excuse. Yes. To sacrifice and to excuse. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to say something incredibly controversial. Say, say it. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's controversial between the two of us, but controversial might be to a lot of the listeners. Is I was thinking about Jesus, despite not being religious. And I was thinking, and this is the man who sacrificed his life. Mm -hmm. And he is recognized all over, despite the fact that he wasn't recognized, obviously, during his lifetime or immediately after his death. We're going to put the re resurrection part to the side. We're going to put that aside for a second and just say that this is a human man who sacrificed himself for a cause that he believed in. And he's being celebrated all over the world, mm -hmm. whereas women 
all over the world sacrifice their lives all the time, mm -hmm. and they're not given the same level of recognition. And that's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. I hope when the listeners listen, they're you know they're putting whatever your religious feeling, whatever your religious uh, upbringings aside, and recognize just from that fact. Mm -hmm. And and it's very frustrating. And and that model is still being replicated in yes. the media. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To be a woman. Yeah. Be a woman. Yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating to have to take on the burden of somebody else. And I go back to this example of the texting. So he yes. kept texting me and I said three times to stop texting me, period. I think it was like e either immediately before or after he said, if you want me to stop texting you, then stop texting me back. So basically putting the blame on me for his actions. I'm like, I didn't start texting you. You started texting me and you're refusing to stop and you're putting it on I'm me. back on you again. Yes. yes. I was just like, my diagnosis before I left our face-to-face <laughs> -to -face was to say, you're so self-involved. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and you're giving me more evidence of <laughs> so how self-involved you, you yeah. are. Well, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank it's you. like, thank you for reinforcing the idea that I made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, funny that you say that because I was reading something about Maya Angelou because I was listening to something about Tupac because I like his things. I know despite being controversial, I like mm -hmm. the fact that he was very insightful. Mm. And so I was reading something where Maya Angelou says, when people show you who they are, believe them. Yes, yes. Believe them. And, you know, sometimes as women, you, you mentioned it earlier, we're socialized to kind of just excuse things. And, mm -hmm. you know, no, but they're showing you who they are. And so, you know, say thank you and graciously move on. Yeah. But as women, we'll make excuses sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we do. We, we are really just raised to sacrifice ourselves and make excuses. Mm -hmm. Those are like the dual tenets of... Of being a woman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the very, very core principle of being a woman. And that's the truth. Yeah, and it's not right. And if we can find parity, if we ultimately want to find parity, we need to recognize that. And we need to start saying to men as well, no, no, if you want us to do this, you have to do this as well. We want parity. We want people who are not just going to continue to take. Yes. Yeah. You made such an excellent point earlier about Jesus and I use that term loosely because... She's putting um, air quotes, by the way. Yes. You can't see it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus, because to me, if you say I was made in his image, then he's not what you're showing me mm. for him to be. But that's not what the point I was trying to make is, you know, as women, we're not celebrated for half of what we... Not even close to half of what we do as women. Right. And we're so great, just the givers of life, just the depth of us. Mm. You know, the love that comes from women. But I wish we would start loving ourselves and loving each other because we can be mean to each other sometimes, oh too. God. I've seen it, especially with teenage girls. But right. we can be really mean, really yeah. mean to each other. I mean, on the flip side of the coin, men are really mean to each other as well. Yes, but, you know, they also have a tendency as well to always stick together, that good old boys club anyway. Even when they're mean to each other, they know how to also look out for each other in a sense. Men tend to do that. They tend to be a little bit more forgiving up each other than women can be. Or let me certain speak for myself. Things, certain things yes. I feel, yes. Is this weird dynamic, the push and pull yes. between individualism and collectivism, yes. right? Certain things, when, especially when it comes to the Me Too movement, you will see a lot of men suddenly coagulate as if they're just one 
even though they themselves might never do that actual thing. Mm -hmm. They're still like, oh, what if I'm falsely accused? But that also goes back to what is the available information, what information is being touted more, both by the media and also by just urban legend and whatnot. Yes. I mean, we know statistically false accusation is like between 2 and 8%. Mm-hmm. And 8% is really just on the way to high part. And we also know at the same time that there is persistent under-reporting. Yes. Persistent under-investigation, persistent under-prosecution. So when you put those statistics side by side, you realize how few women actually make false accusations. How few that actually occurs. And we need to realize that because a police officer came to a complex where I was living to give a talk about the safety of the neighborhood. And he was saying about, oh, you know, we we get these reports of women, but really they're just being vengeful. And then they fall off and they don't follow up. I'm like, how much is it because of your attitude that that is their baseline, that they don't follow up because they don't feel like they're being supported? (sighs) I wish I spoke up at that time. I was just like side-eyeing him. No, but I, I understand. But that also goes back to how we were socialized as women. A man would feel more comfortable standing up and saying no. You know, but a part of that is socialization as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's where our voices, you know, as women supporting each other. So the generalization that it, at air quotes, generalization that it appears I was making earlier, I just find maybe because we've lost our voices or we never were afforded a voice, we don't always um, advocate for each other. But I think that's more a general thing that because we have, we're socialized to have such low standards Mm -hmm. and we're socialized to make excuses for bad behavior Mm -hmm. and that is couched into our nurturing though that is not nurturing that is actually enabling yes (laughs) um so i do feel like there's a part of me that when i hear anyone saying oh, women are just such backbiters, I want to say I think that's a stereotype. It is. Because if we see a majority of wars are started by whom? Men. Mm-hmm. Majority of men are being killed by whom? Men. Majority of women are killed by whom? Men. So I feel like overall, men are just as vicious, if not more vicious, because they're socialized to be alpha, to have this force as dominance principle than women but then they're projecting onto women and saying oh you you're just you know backbiting at each other whereas i'm like uh hello do you but see your wars you're aware but i've seen it so many times with women how we treat each other sometimes i'll give you a, an example well, i don't i don't disagree with that i've seen that as well i mean it's quite sad you if know? you look at the monica Lewinsky case mm. you know she God, drag under. I mean, she didn't do the right thing, obviously. Yes. But that's more for her self-esteem to deal with mm-hmm. than for us to say, oh, it's all your fault. Who right. was the one who had a commitment? Mm. Okay? Wasn't her. Kit was 20-something and single. She has the right to go, you know, do, like, yeah. get yeah. hers. You know, yeah. her hormones was raging, whatever, just like any man. <laughs> yep. You know, he, she did made the mistake of fawning over this idol, but 
which one of us can say we win Fawn a world idol, right? right? At least, if not permanently, but temporarily. Mm -hmm. For him to never have apologized and still refuse to apologize. For her, even at that moment, I remember when, as soon as he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. As soon as she, he and said she that, I was like, yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did. And, I mean, that says everything. He called her that, that woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, she and she has a name. Yeah. Know? So you just objectified that. Yeah, you know that's exactly. what you say about that chair, but not right. a person. Exactly, there was so much distancing just in that one sentence, in that one word, that choice of word. You just knew. <sighs> to be a woman is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are so many layers, but to your point of seeing, you know, women being backbiting, I've I've been on the receiving end as well, and I haven't always done the right thing either, and there. Are points where I, even though I knew why I was doing the wrong thing, I still went and <laughs> doing the wrong thing. You know, it happens. I think this is the thing of the human condition that we should have some room to be allowed to, to make mistakes, yes. whereas women are being held to such a high standard mm -hmm. that when we're m making a mistake, I mean, think of how sexual assault victims or assault victims are being treated, right? There's a huge spotlight and microscope put on top of her behavior, mm -hmm. everything is, were you perfect according to this particular yes. moment in yes. time? If you're not perfect, guess what? You get to be assaulted. I think that's like cruel and unusual punishment. That's, that's basically... the victim. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's victim. like we are violating the Constitution just yes. by that standard alone. Yes. Because why is it that when women make a mistake, we have to pay with the rest of our lives... I mean, sometimes literally because more women are being killed in relationships than anything else. But when men make a mistake, everybody's spending over backwards saying, mm -hmm. oh, no, he didn't mean that. Oh, no, you he know. He had a traumatic childhood. Yeah. You know, as if, yeah. Yeah. So he's allowed to make a mistake. We are not. You know. And that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, it would be great if women can be perfect and be nice to each other. But we're as flawed as men, so we should have that room to be flawed and not be called yes. out as saying, oh, women are not nice. That's true. That's true. Because I know I've been guilty of saying that about women. And like you mentioned earlier, I know I've also been guilty of being on that receiving and giving end. But a part of being aware, too, is, you know, I'm learning. It should be in the loving. And mm -hmm. so are my actions being loving? Mm -hmm. And I feel like nothing against men, because I love men. But I have to love my sisters first, mm. you know, and that comes from loving myself. Then I love my sisters, you know, for me to even be able to extend that part of myself to a man. Well, I have to love my sister. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's an extension of me. So yeah. how do I love him and not love her? I'm learning that. Yeah. Because I was a part of that movement, too, of just blaming women. And it's becoming aware that mm. I got to love my sisters. I do. Yeah. And it's not easy because we... No, we, it's not. All of us, as we <laughs> said before, all of us have our own egos. Yes. And there are competitive pressures at play. But I think it also comes to, as you said, loving oneself and saying, okay, if this man is requiring us to be fighting each other in order to get him, is he worth it? You've got it. So, you got it. Yeah, so what is it in him that's requiring that of us? And I'm not sure if I want to play that game. Mm -hmm. So, girl, have him. You know? <laughs> have him and whatever he comes with. But even with taking the man out, I remember I had this conversation with myself mm -hmm. about two weeks ago, and it was about I was into body shaming. It mm -hmm. was 
not accepting myself. You know, I'm a woman. I've had children, so my body is going to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. So for me to expect that, you know, my waist is going to be the way it was at 23 before I had kids, but it starts from there. Right. And that's when we start comparing ourselves with other women, and then we start yeah. really putting women down. I had to go to the sleep. It's like, this is my body. Right. This is a woman's body, and this is what is. Yeah. You know, and yeah. not by what society or a man's standard of mm -hmm. how I should look or who I should be. This is just who I'm choosing right. to be. Right, right. The extra curves and all, it's what it's going to be. So, right, right. you know, it's it's tough. It's that conscious, constant awareness of making sure that we're loving ourselves and each other. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and also, body, not just shaming, but sort of regarding our body, guarding yes. our shape, comes with age as well. Because we are men or women, you know, anyone in between, we are all going in the same direction in mm -hmm. time. We can't really turn back time. Mm -hmm. So we have to forgive ourselves, as you said before, in knowing that no matter what, time is just going to do something to, okay. to our bodies. <laughs> yes. And we have to accept that with age, we have to make much more effort, sometimes impossible effort. And we have to just say, well, I just have to live with this because we're not being paid to be swimsuit models frankly mm -hmm. <laughs> so since that's not you know that's not how we earn our income we should just be a little bit forgiving to ourselves for not having the time no you know as a healthcare professional i'm not advocating being unhealthy right now you know but i also want us to get out of the okay your waist has to be 23 right. you know your hips have to be at 40 i mean it's well we have to realize Exactly. What's healthy for you is not healthy for somebody mm -hmm. else. And also, we have to realize there's no real link or no solid link between body shape and health of yes. the person. Yes, that is so true. It's very individual. We have to remember how almost impossible it came to be that we are in existence. Yes. How much our ancestors had to fight, how yes. many things, yes. you know, how lucky they had to be in order to have us. That is true. That's the gift. Huh? Yeah, it is. Like <laughs> many lines of gifts, you know, yes. sometimes in a verbal gift, sometimes there weren't really gifts. Just, just, That's true. Yeah, uh, some horrendous thing happened and mm -hmm. we're here. That's true. But we have to realize that going back to the individual, we are individuals, mm -hmm. but we get to have so many things in common because our building blocks yes. are so similar. I forget, what is it like? 98 something percent or 99 percent mm -hmm. we all share this much as that tiny little percentage that one makes yeah that make this different if we just sit with that it's fantastic the image of yeah, having the right? images you're saying right yes yeah it's almost like seeing the galaxy on a dark night yes it's like wow <laughs> 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 oh so anyway, in closing, please let the audience know where we can go to you, Lee, how we can follow you. Fortunately, I don't do social media. I don't have a television. Mm. I just love silence. And mm -hmm. so I just choose to play word games and write my poetry. And mm -hmm. that's it. Um, every Tuesday night, I meet with a poetry group with Connect and Heal. And that's at the Chandler Public Library. Or sometimes we meet at the Chandler Center. Community um, Center. Community Center. Yeah. 
yes, every Tuesday, six to eight, and they help to get that creative juice out for me. And then, um, you guys read, right? After you, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then, um, once a month, we meet with Open Mic with Connect and Heal at yeah. Improv Mania. And I know we're having this talk, but underneath it all, I'm a shy person, so it's hard for me even go up and read my poems and so I try my friend Al always says are you gonna read yeah. you know you need to read and it's it's really hard for we're me we're always I'm, prodding you to yes, read yes yes so I'm, and I'm going to get to that stage yeah you should <laughs> if nothing else you should definitely come to both the weekly workshop as well as the once a monthly workshop on second Sundays of the month um, and every Tuesday in the evening at the Chandler Community Center, every second Sunday at the Chandler Public Library. And Nicole will be there invariably, and she will write something amazing, and she will, at least in those groups, read. So yes. you will get to hear her reading, because her poems have been incredibly moving, and they're very thoughtful, as you would expect by somebody who likes to sit with her thoughts. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That was kind of you. I'm not being kind. I'm being truthful. I'm, Thank I'm you. a very truthful you. person. I believe you. I it gets me you. into trouble a lot of the times. Me too. So I'm learning. <laughs> to I'm not. not. Not be honest, but to choose my words carefully. Yes. But you're still going to get the truth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To yes. say it, deliver it in a way that's yes. with pa- a lot of palatable. That's yeah. what I always say. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, thank, thank you, you for having me today. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you so thank much you. for being on the show. Just to correct something I said earlier during the podcast, the current world population stands at 7.53 billion. And that concludes our Sunday, June 23rd episode of Poets and Muses. You can follow us on our new website at poetsandmuses.com, on SoundCloud. Instagram, as well as Twitter, also under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at the bottom of the website or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Thank you very much for listening. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.